Hi, this is Father Neil here and welcome to the March 31st episode of the podcast Catechism with Father Neil. Today we look at number 639 to 647 of the Catechism. The historical and transcendent event, 639. The mystery of Christ's resurrection is a real event, with manifestations that were historically verified as the New Testament bears witness. In about 56 AD, St. Paul could already write to the Corinthians, I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. The apostle speaks here of the living tradition of the resurrection which he had learned after his conversion at the gates of Damascus. The Empty Tomb, 640. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. The first element we encounter in the framework of the Easter events is the empty tomb. In itself, it is not a direct proof of the resurrection. The absence of Christ's body from the tomb could be explained otherwise. Nonetheless, the empty tomb was still an essential sign for all. Its discovery by the disciples was the first step toward recognising the very fact of the resurrection. This was the case first with the holy women and then with Peter. The disciple whom Jesus loved affirmed that when he entered the empty tomb and discovered the linen cloths lying there, he saw and believed. This suggests that he realised from the empty tomb's condition that the absence of Jesus' body could not have been of human doing and that Jesus had not simply returned to earthly life as had been the case with Lazarus. The Appearances of the Risen One 641 Mary Magdalene and the holy women who came to finish anointing the body of Jesus which had been buried in haste because the Sabbath began on the evening of Good Friday were the first to encounter the Risen One. Thus the women were the first messengers of Christ's resurrection for the apostles themselves. They were the next to whom Jesus appears. First Peter, then the twelve. Peter had been called to strengthen the faith of his brothers, and so sees the risen one before them. It is on the basis of his testimony that the community exclaims, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. 642. Everything that happened during the Paschal days involves each of the Apostles, and Peter in particular, in the building of the new era begun on Easter morning. As witnesses of the Risen One, they remain the foundation stones of his church. The first, the faith of the first community of believers is based on the witness of concrete men, known to the Christians and, for the most part, still living among them. Peter and the Twelve are the primary witnesses to his resurrection, but they are not the only ones. Paul speaks clearly of more than 500 persons to whom Jesus appeared on a single occasion, and also of James and of all the apostles. 643. Given all these testimonies, Christ's resurrection cannot be interpreted as something outside the physical order, 
and it is impossible not to acknowledge it as a historical fact. It is clear from the facts that the disciples' faith was drastically put to the test by their master's passion and death on the cross, which he had foretold. The shock provoked by the passion was so great that at least some of the disciples did not at once believe in the news of the resurrection. Far from showing up as a community seized by mystical exaltation, the Gospels present us with the disciples demoralised, looking sad and frightened, for they had not believed the holy women returning from the tomb and had regarded their words as an idle tale. When Jesus reveals himself to the eleven on Easter morning, he upbraided them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. 644. When, even when faced with the reality of the risen Jesus, the disciples are still doubtful, so impossible did the thing seem. They thought they were seeing a ghost. In their joy, they, they were still disbelieving and still wondering. Thomas will also experience a, a, the test of doubt. And St. Matthew relates that during the risen Lord's last appearance in Galilee, some doubted. Therefore, the hypothesis that the resurrection was produced by the apostles' faith or credulity will not hold up. On the contrary, their faith in the resurrection was born under the action of divine grace from their direct experience of the reality of the risen Jesus, the condition of Christ's risen humanity. 645. By means of touch, they shared a meal. The risen Jesus establishes direct contact with his disciples. He invites them in this way to recognize that he is not a ghost, and above all to verify that the risen body in which he appears to them is the same body that had been tortured and crucified, for it still bears the traces of his passion. Yet, at the same time, this authentic real body possesses the new properties of a glorious body, not limited by space and time, but able to be present how and when he wills. For Christ's humanity can no longer be confined to earth and belongs henceforth only to the Father's divine realm. For this reason, too, the risen Jesus enjoys the sovereign freedom of appearing as he wishes in the guise of a gardener or other forms familiar to the disciples precisely to awaken their faith. 646. Christ's resurrection was not a return to earthly life, as was the case with the raisings from the, risings from the dead that he had performed before Easter. Jairus' daughter, the young man of Naim, and Lazarus. These actions were miraculous events, but the persons miraculously raised returned by Jesus' power to ordinary earthly life. At some particular moment, they would die again. Christ's resurrection is essentially different. In his risen body, he passes from the state of death to another life beyond time and space. At Jesus' resurrection, his body is filled with power, the power of the Holy Spirit. He shares the divine life in his glorious state, so that St. Paul can say that Christ is the man of heaven. The resurrection as transcendent event. 647. O truly blessed night, sings the exalted of the Easter vigil, which alone deserved to know the time and hour when Christ rose from the realm of the dead. 
But no one was an eyewitness to Christ's resurrection, and no evangelist describes it. No one can say how it came about physically, still less was its innermost essence, his passing over to another life, perceptible to the senses. Although the resurrection was a historical event that could be verified by the sign of the empty tomb and the reality of the apostles' encounters with the risen Christ, still it remains at the very heart of the mystery of the mystery of faith as something that transcends and surpasses history. This is why the risen Christ does not reveal himself to the world, but to his disciples, those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. Okay, very good. So this section continues to examine the resurrection. We're looking at the resurrection today. We're seeing how the resurrection took place what it meant, uh, examining a little bit the historical context. And again, as is common in this section of the Catechism we're looking at, it's really um, uh, basing itself on the Gospel passages and St. Paul as well. But it's, um, so, so it's no harm for us to get to know the Gospels well and see how the Catechism um, creates its or, or um, presents its narrative looking at the Gospels looking at this event of Christ's resurrection. And again, the Catechism is underlining again and again and again that this is something historical. It's not a theory. It's not some other sort of resurrection. But it's simply that Christ, in a way that we can't understand, it finished saying that we can't ever fully understand this. It will never fully make sense to us. We can never fit God and his mysteries fully into our little heads because if we could, then this God wouldn't be very big. He wouldn't be very powerful. So really today, it's an invitation for us to accept this reality of the resurrection, to accept the testimony, to accept the witnesses that are given. In a court case, many times you have to listen to the witnesses to see whether something happened. And it's the same in our, with our faith. There are many witnesses at the beginning, the women, the apostles, St. Peter, uh, the 500 to whom Jesus Christ appears. Many people see him, but he doesn't reveal himself to everybody. And the same way with faith, he doesn't reveal himself to everybody, but even today certain people are invited to have faith. Certain people don't have that gift. So if the Lord is inviting us to have that gift, if he's inviting us to be believers in him in this generation where so many people doubt, where so many people have lost their faith, where religion is becoming very secondary. It seems as if there is nothing, um, that, that, that the church has nothing to offer, that religion has nothing to offer anymore. And yet the church has everything to offer. Our faith prepares us for heaven and allows us to live this eternal life even here, to have this um, foreshadowing of the resurrection, even in this life. So really, today we're invited to this, to be close to the Lord, to meditate on his resurrection, and more than anything to ask for the grace of believing in his resurrection. So very well, tomorrow we'll continue, and tomorrow we'll be looking at 648 to 650 of the Catechism. God bless.